Man, what's up, dog? What up, baby? Shit, you ready to do this? Let's do it. All right, bet. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the morally and intellectually ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous podcast. I am your host, Spencer Bryant, and today is a very special episode because I have my dear friend of shit. How long has it been? 13 years. 13 years. My dear friend Amber of 13 years, one of the people who first put this podcast thing into my idea many eons ago. So I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode where I talked about my story, but also in the last episode, I talked about that the next episode and future episodes that it's going to be about other people's stories. So I reached out to Amber and asked her, would she do me the honor of being the first guest on uh, this podcast? And she agreed. And I asked her, you know, what does she want to talk about? And she said that, you know, I feel like there's not a lot of talk about mental health awareness for black people and let alone black women. And I was like, bet, because as much as I love black women, as much as I love all women, I am a man and I cannot speak for any woman, especially black women. So I need um, Amber to help me um, extend that voice. So what's up, dog? I am so happy to be here. I'm glad you asked me um, to come on the show. And, you know, I feel very strongly about mental health, particularly for black women. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm ready to kick it off. Tell my story. I hope I can help somebody help somebody. And that's what this is about, is if we can just help one person, you know, that's listening. There's seven billion people out here, and I'm pretty sure somebody out there is going through the same shit you are. And uh, a lot of times when we're going through our own uh, storms, we think that we're the only people dealing with it. And when, in fact, you're not. You ever see, like, those memes where it says, oh, you know, I do this at night and then you're looking at that going, damn, I do that same thing. And it's like, Yo, how do we all live the same <laughs> lives? It's exactly what the point of this podcast is, you know? So um, it's funny though. The irony behind me and Amber's friendship is uh, funny because we actually met in at the shore, uh, the university of Maryland, Eastern shore for those aren't, who aren't aware, but the shore and um it's funny because we actually almost stopped being friends over the dumbest shit ever. And that's what this show was about. It's about growth. I remember uh, we were in uh, my LB Steve's room and, um, you know, one of them were like, I, I mean, Amber was like, oh, yeah, hey, look, y'all, I finally got waves. And I was like. <laughs> I was so pressed about my ways. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm looking at her right now and her dreads are long as shit. <laughs> so um, she's like, I got waves. I said, I don't see no waves. And boom, right there. Like, blocked me on everything. I remember one time, <laughs> I have serious attitude. I was, uh, how I found out, um, I texted Steve, I texted Darian, I texted you know, everybody, I was like, where y'all at? And it was, oh, we at Walmart. I was like, well, how the hell y'all get there? Because this is before we had cars. Amber had this green Pontiac Sunfire with a very ashy-ass hood. I remember that like it was yesterday. <laughs> Yo, you know, I'm supposed to ride my Sunfire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't know that. <laughs> I remember that. And she was like, damn, we, I was like, where'd y'all go? Amber, Amber took us to Walmart. I'm like, well, why they, y'all ain't tell me? He was like, oh, she don't fuck with you. You said she ain't had no waves. <laughs> and the point of telling that story, man, is like, you know, we're in our 30s, man. We look back on how many things we said and have done where it's like, wow, I can't believe I actually did that. You know, so I'm lucky and fortunate that Amber forgave me about her not having waves because, you know, at her one of her her father is one of my mentors and that's how i got my job my dream job being a radio host so yes i must uh thank you for that <laughs> but anyway so yes i've known amber for a long time and i remember uh a lot of our conversations are about mental health awareness and she's going to be jogging my memory on a lot of stuff too because i can't retain everything that we've talked about in 13 years but um 
Yeah, man. So, you know, how is it? How how are you, man? Like how, you know, I, I can't really remember the the uh, uh, first time you told me about, you know, your, if I'm not mistaken, your dual diagnosis. Yeah, it's so interesting that you um, that you brought up the story about the waves, because there's so much. I feel like one of the things that often doesn't get talked about when we talk about mental health is um, like the memory loss that comes with that can come with that. Um, so like there are a lot of things. Sometimes there are stories that people share with me that of things that happen like in undergrad, for instance, um, that I'm like, dang, I don't remember that. Like, I don't remember the details. I don't remember it happening. Um, so, so much of my college experience, like while my college experience was the best years of my life, hands down, there's also a lot about that, that I don't remember. And I was, I was very symptomatic in college, um, in ways that I didn't think much of at the time. But like you said, um, now reflecting on it, I'm like, dang, like I was really problematic. Like, um, you know, I would, I would get upset about things that felt big to me, but were very small. And and my reaction didn't match uh, the offense, if you will. So, you know, somebody saying I don't have waves to me doesn't warrant me not speaking to you, me blocking you on everything. Like that's, that's wild. Um, (laughs) And so I just think about like coming from that starting point to where I am now is miraculous. If I had to put a word on it, um, it's miraculous. And so I was diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety disorder our senior year. Um, And I actually went to my primary care physician um, and I was just sharing, you know, your primary care physician asks you about your lifestyle and things like that. Um, And I think I must have shared something that was concerning and she started digging a little more deeply into that. And so that was actually the first time I was on medication for my anxiety was our senior year. Um, And at the time, I didn't really I didn't think anything of it like it wasn't I don't know that it was stigmatized. It was just like, okay, I have anxiety, but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, And it would show up in ways like, you know, being over again, my reaction wouldn't wouldn't match the offense. Right. So somebody doesn't text me back and now I'm freaking out for hours. And in all reality, they were taking a nap between classes. Um, So it was things like that that made me go to see my doctor and share some of the things that I did. Uh, And then fast forward about a year or so later, I had moved to Baltimore to start grad school. um, And I was in a relationship at the time, still symptomatic, but didn't realize it. Um, And I remember I had this really bad episode. Um, I, you know, I had started to fall into it, but again, you don't really notice those things when they're happening slowly. Um, and I just remember there being a period of time where I would go to work because work has always been my, I don't know, it's, it's the thing that I can always do if I don't feel well mentally. Mm-hmm. So I went to work, I was going to work, but when I got home, I would literally walk into my apartment and I lived by myself at the time. Um, I would walk into my apartment, take my clothes off, articles of clothing in a pathway from my front door to my bedroom. And I would just get in the bed. I wouldn't eat. Everybody who knows me knows I vacuum probably multiple times a week. Like it's a running joke. I wasn't vacuuming. I wasn't doing dishes. I wasn't. Hey, hey, real quick. I remember when you got that vacuum cleaner from uh, somewhere and it was used. Oh, I was pissed. I was dying. I was livid. Like, why would you open a vacuum and vacuum the floor and then take it back to Walmart? That's so I know this is very stupid. I never asked, but did that have anything to do with the what we're talking about? Like you being upset about the vacuum being messed up or you just thought it was some trifling ass shit? I think it was a both end. Like I I I love vacuuming. Like I find so much joy in vacuuming. Cleaning is actually one of my coping mechanisms. But for me to open a whole new vacuum and it's dog hair all caught up in the bristles, <laughs> like I don't have an attitude. Like, why would you do that? All I remember is what the fuck is this? <laughs> I took it back and he's like, uh, that Walmart is like, oh yeah, sometimes people don't people don't check the stuff before they return it. Huh? And I'm like, <laughs> but anyway, I that was just a stupid flashback, but sorry, yeah. So yeah, I um there was about a couple of weeks where I was literally doing that, like it was like repetition, like somebody had pressed play. Um, on my life. And it was just this cycle, kind of like how you see cartoons, like when they do the same thing every day. 
I was going to work. I was coming home, taking my clothes off, going straight to the bed. And when the weekend came, um, I had my phone next to me. And I remember people calling to check on me because I also started isolating quite a bit, which is a thing that probably one of my biggest um, warning signs for the people around me is that I'll start to isolate or I'm not as social. And I remember looking at my phone and like people are blowing my phone up, um, calling to check on me. I'm seeing the text saying, hey, are you okay?" And I, I just couldn't bring myself to respond. I couldn't bring myself to answer it. I couldn't even bring myself to pick the phone up. Um, And that particular weekend, I slept for over 21 hours. The only thing I got up for was to use the bathroom. I didn't eat. I didn't shower. Um, And if you know me, showering is, that's the thing I do three times a day. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it was, it was a lot. And I tell people that it is um, the best analogy or the best metaphor that I have for it is, um, when you lock your keys inside the house and you can look through the glass and you can see your keys sitting on the table, but you can't access them. And you know, that's what you need to open the door. Um, but you can't get to it. There's this barrier, a, a barrier that you can't see. Right. But you can very much feel, I can tap the glass and know it's there, but I can't get to what it is that I need. And that's, that's what it felt like. And so that's a hell of an analogy. Yeah, it was, it was wild. And so, like I said, I was partnered at the time And my partner was like, look, either you go get help or I'm gone. And I was like, whoa, I don't want to be single like you're doing too much. So let me (laughs) let me go figure this out. My supervisor at the time was a therapist and I went to work and I just broke. Um, I lost it. And he referred me to one of his colleagues. And that's actually how I started therapy, Um, because I cried to my supervisor about how I didn't want to lose my partner. And my partner said or my my supervisor said to me. Um, and this is something I've held on to since he said it. I was 21 when he told me this, I think 21 or 22. And he said, um, the healthiest relationships are, are the ones where you, where you want someone, but you don't need them. Mm. And I remember thinking like, dang, I'm sitting in this chair crying and I feel like I need this person and that's not healthy. So that is how I got my dual diagnosis. I still had generalized anxiety disorder, but at, uh, a couple of years later was also diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since that was what, 2014 is 2022. Um, I have been living with and managing both for the last eight years and it has not been easy. Um, it changes what helps changes, what hurts changes. And I just really have to be in front. I have to stay in front of it as much as I can. Do you think there's, and forgive me, this is a weird question, but do you think there's a difference navigating through society as a black woman versus, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to answer because you ain't ever been white a day in your life. Last <laughs> time I checked. You, what I was going to ask was, is there a difference you think navigating through society as a black woman with major depressive disorder versus like, you know, someone else of another ethnicity? If you kind of get what I'm asking. I do. If I had to guess, right, like, because you said I've only ever been Black, I've only ever been a Black woman, but Mm -hmm. I would say yes because of the stereotypes that get placed on our shoulders. Um, So where, let me give you an example, Um, my depression and my anxiety can make me very irritable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I particularly like let's say I go to work and I'm just irritable or we go out and I'm just irritable. Like you can tell I'm off. I'll use the example of the workplace. I go to the workplace and I'm just irritated. People say, good morning. I'm kind of short. I'm in meetings. I'm short. They're going to perceive that um, in my experience, that is perceived as me being an angry black woman. There's Mm -hmm. never, it's, there's rarely, unless there's another black woman in the room, I am rarely given the benefit of the doubt Um, that I could just be having a bad day or something else is going on, right? Like it's always um, the default assumption is that I'm being the angry black woman. It's just another Tuesday and she's mad and black. Yeah. Um, And nobody really, I don't think that we are given the grace and space to think, oh, maybe something happened over the weekend. It's carried into Amber's week. Maybe I should ask her. If she's okay, if there's anything I can do to support her or bring up the fact, I noticed you've been a little um, edgy 
you know? Um, so I do, I absolutely do think it's different. And I think that that adds a layer of challenge for us because I now not only have to be mindful of how I show up in the world as someone who lives with a mental illness, but I also have to layer that with the fact that I'm black and that changes how people perceive my symptoms. And it doesn't help that professionalism is rooted in white supremacy. Don't get me started. Cause I, just, I well, that's I why I said it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Ever always talks about that. I mean, I, we both are very conscious of the fact that, you know, that is what professionalism is, but you know, that's, that's why I wanted Amber on because I can all day say, you know, I, I have empathy for black women who deal with, you know, mental health issues. Of course, I got empathy for black men who, who, who deal with the same thing. But I, I can speak for black men. I can speak for men. I, I can't speak for black women. You know, when me working in a very um, in a profession that is dominated by white people, um, you know, coming from a profession that's dominated by black people. Um, you know, I definitely see the shift. Um, I was going to say, uh, the thing about what we're talking about is, you know, it, it's also generational too, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, with us being millennials, uh, the generations before us, especially our parents' generation, and I'm excluding my parents from this because my parents have never looked at mental illness as a sin or, you know, where I'm going with this. Um, they've always taken it very seriously. Um, but it's hard being a millennial, having, um, mental health issues and disorders and problems. Um, now this is outside of the realms of being black, I believe, because this is white, black, Hispanic, all types of ethnicities and backgrounds that the older generations think that mental illness is, um, you know, something that you have to pray about. Again, I'm never going to disclose what station I work for, but one of the programs that uh, shows that we were playing, I can say that I work for NPR member station. I'll say that and NPR plays a lot of good content dealing with this. And it was a show just yesterday I was listening to where it was a Hispanic family and it was a young man. And he was talking about, you know, how he told his grandmother that, um, you know, he he had depression and she starts bringing out the rosaries and all this type of shit. And get I'm like, oil. yeah, get the get the oil, <laughs> get the oil. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's the same way for black folks, too. You know, what I mean, I, I, I've seen I've met white people who've dealt with the same thing that are our age, that our generation is the one that takes it seriously. So I remember me and Amber having these conversations about um, this, but I'm not sure. Have you dealt with that aspect from your family though if you don't mind me asking um not really I think I get more of the when I first like got my diagnoses I got more of the like well what are you depressed about kind of questions and I think that a lot of people struggle to understand that there's a difference between being depressed and living with depression um Hmm. being depressed happens in phases right It, it can be triggered by something like a death of someone close to you, right? And you go through a period of being depressed. Um, Whereas depression may not have um, a root cause or a trigger. Like I might just wake up one day and not feel well. Um, And so it's hard for me to answer those kind of questions because I don't always know. Sometimes I just wake up and I don't feel good and I can't tell you why. So those kind of questions are (laughs) a lot of what I get. And then I think when I started therapy, I remember talking to my grandma. I love her so much. And I said, um, <laughs> what news? <laughs> Yo, grand, Amber's grandmother should have been on stage telling jokes somewhere. <laughs> One of the funniest women I've ever met in my life. A whole Bears. clown, a whole clown. So mm. I'm talking to her and I was like, she asked me what I was doing or something. And I said, I just, I just went to therapy. And she said, well, for what? What'd you hurt? And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> She said, well, you said you went to therapy. What you going to the, like, what did you injure? And I'm like, no, grandma, I went to talk to somebody. And she, she just got quiet. Like she almost like she didn't understand what I was saying. 
Like, well, why would you go talk to a physical therapist? <laughs> um, and so I, I, a lot of like with uh, Spencer and I have this conversation about just generational differences all the time. And so um, our parents and grandparents have not lived through a culture and society where therapy is normalized, right? They associate going to a therapist with being crazy. And I, I hate that word. Um mm-hmm. But Hell, they don't even, they didn't have to pay for Wi-Fi when they were coming up because it wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, houses were $4. Yeah, yeah. God forbid we work seven jobs and no one understands why. But that's Yeah, we're day. supposed to have 100 grand saved up by the time we're 21. That's yeah. for another episode. <laughs> you went to college, you should have a house, a car, and some more stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just, a lot of it is um, generational differences, like I said, and just the way that we understand and the way that we've all learned to navigate the things that we are dealing with is very different from what they deal with. And so, you know, for my family, it's a lot of trying to educate them on what it means, what helps, what hurts um, so that they can, they can better support me. Because I think, you know, some of it is, some of it is ignorance, right? Um, But Mm. some of it is just really like, sometimes you have to show people how to support you. Yeah. Uh, And, and they don't always know how to do that. And is it a burden? Yes. But, you know, when you got good people in your life, um, people can't give you what they don't have. And so, you know, sometimes you, I, I have had to take the time to really talk to them about what it, what support looks like for me. Yeah. I know what that means. Um, somebody in my family who was a saint of a woman, uh, I had to kind of call them out on something one time because it was something that I was dealing with at one point, very depressed about. And I just didn't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? And this is a generation where you would break a leg and they would just rub dirt on it and be like, all right, you good, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, they were like, well, you still on that. You need to, you need to get over that. You can't be holding on to that. You need to let it out. And I said, yeah, but I just don't feel like talking about it right now. And they were like, well, you need to, you need to. Yeah. I said, look, you don't control nor dictate nor reserve the right to tell someone when and when they should talk about something. Because guess what? If there has never been, there will be a day where you're not going to want to talk about something. And it please explain to me the hypocrisy, how you don't have to talk about it, but I do. You know, and people, a a lot of the older generation, you know, they they do things because that was that's how they were taught. That was what taught. That was what was taught to them. The thing about the older generation that gets on my nerves is, like you said, they use the words like crazy. Another one that gets on my nerves is sensitive. Um, Oh, gosh. So it's so offensive. It is. It is. And it's a lot of times, man. Um the reason why a sensitive upsets me is because it's a very subjective thing to say, like to say that someone is sensitive about something uh, because they feel a certain way about it. One in itself is wrong, but two, okay, well you have your own things that you're quote unquote sensitive about, Mm -hmm. you know, and to tell someone that it's like, okay, you know, the way you said that black women are perceived in the workplace, um, you could be dealing with something with your your mental health and you could react a certain way and someone will call you, oh, well, she's just sensitive. You have absolutely no idea <laughs> what this person just brought in here. None. You know what I mean? Absolutely none. And, you know, to say someone is sensitive or, or phrases like, oh, get over it or UBI or this, that and the third, you know, um, my father is someone who has mastered how to tell people how to deal with problems. I remember um, I was upset. Uh, this was me and my ex from college, it broke up. And I was upset because how it ended and this, that, and the third and blah, 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 whatever. And I remember me and him were in a car and I was going off. I was like, man, dad, I was cursing all types of stuff. He just stares at me. He goes, well, son, when you're able to wish it the best, that's how you know you over it. 
You just made this man sound like Walker Texas Green. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he doesn't really sound like that. It just that's just the typical father voice. It sounds nothing like that. It was more like, well, when you get when you uh when you get when uh uh <laughs> <laughs> um and i was like what like wish should the best i ain't trying to hear that shit this that and the third and blah, 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 blah. and i remember i woke up one day several years later and i just i think i came across like a picture of her now her and her now husband and i really said to myself wow i, I hope you know they're good and i meant it and then it something clicked boom right there it was like and i was like damn my father did tell me this three years ago you know what I mean? And I called him. I said, hey, remember that time I took you, you know, I was upset about whatever. And he was like, yeah, told you. <laughs> like It was none of that. Boy, you need to get over it. Oh, this, that, and the third. Just pray about it. It wasn't anything. It was actual advice. You know what I mean? And the older generation doesn't know how to do that. So, um, but the newer generation, our generation, we ain't, we, we got our shit with her, with us too. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to put Amber on the spot right now. You know, millennial is traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> we got our shit with us too, man. Amber is the godmother of plants, astrology, crystals, shit that I all, always tease her about, right? <laughs> but I say that to say this, and Amber will agree, is that a lot of times the way we deal with our mental health issues, our age is we blame it on other things such as zodiac signs and i've heard people and i've seen people <laughs> see amber shaking her head like what the fuck um i've heard people and i've seen people do things that are not normal uh normal human behavior but they'll blame it on whatever sign they are if i'm not mistaken didn't you say you like at one point would sleep 20 plus hours at yeah. one point yeah what sign does that Listen, there's absolutely <laughs> nothing, nothing about um, why I have depression that is associated with me having Libra in my chart. Like what? <laughs> um, when I say I feel out of balance, right? My, my therapist often says, well, you're just not in balance right now. That has nothing to do with the fact that Libra is represented by a scale. Like don't... <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's frustrating. And I think what it does is it minimizes the severity of what people are living with to the constellation of stars. Right. And, and like Spencer said, I'm very much into, into Zodiac. Um, and I, I believe in the power of that and the, the presence of that. But what I don't do is conflate it with you know, my mental illness, I, there, there's no relationship there. Um, I would not look at a grapefruit and look at a bottle of Tide and call them both fruits. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 definitely. And that's why this is called the ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous, because I'm pretty sure that's going to piss somebody off what we're, we're talking about. But that's fine. You know, this this is all about being subjective. You'll be OK. <laughs> That'd be all right. Um. So, yeah, man, other struggles that I guess you've dealt with, like, how was it, you know, does it affect relationships or anything mm -hmm. as far as yeah. and how have you overcome that? It uh, I would say that it is more challenging than beneficial. Right. So um, I have depression and anxiety. And if you know anything about those two um, mental illnesses, they work against each other in a lot of ways. Right. So how I said depression my depression used to make me feel so worthless um, and powerless. And I just had no energy. Like all I wanted to do was sleep. I don't want to eat. I don't want to do anything. And I can stay in the bed for hours. But my anxiety is in my head. Like you got to get up. You got to clean the dishes. You got to do this. You got to do. It. And it's literally like this voice that's on a hamster wheel. Um, it's like being on a hamster wheel, but the hamster is sleepy, but still running, but sleepy. Like that's what it feels like. Um, so you know, I, it presents a lot of challenges in the workplace. I'll start in the workplace. Um, sometimes um, I, I have noticed over the years that I am very much impacted by my sleep, right? So when I don't get sufficient sleep, and when I say sufficient sleep, I don't just mean um, eight hours. I also mean uninterrupted sleep. Like there are nights where I get eight hours, but I'm up every hour. 
Um, and so that kind of thing makes it difficult for me to get up in the morning. Um, it makes me more irritable. Like I said, um, if I am at the start of an episode, right, I might um, be a little more sluggish, a little more low energy. And in the job that I have now, I do a lot of training and presentations and a lot of just interacting with people. Um, and people can feel that. Mm-hmm. Um but on the flip side, right, my anxiety and I am I am how what they call high functioning. So unless you really know me, um, a lot of the things that I'm talking about, you wouldn't see or notice. Um, that's but, I, that's what high functioning is. I, I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. Um, yeah. Like I I think that's the best way for me to for me to capture it um, in the time that we have. It's just you you just wouldn't think um, you wouldn't think some of the things that I deal with that I do. Um, But yeah, going back to the workplace, my anxiety um, makes me hyper-focus on the way that I do things. Sometimes it takes me an hour to send an email because I'm caught up on the way that I'm using words and how people are going to perceive them. And on the other end, right, my employer, my supervisor, my colleagues are like, you do so well, like you thrive. I ask you to do this and you go levels above that. Like your your work ethic is crazy. Like I always know I get good quality work from you. But on my end, it's a byproduct of being anxious. And I'm so hyper-focused on the things that I'm doing and the work that I'm doing um, that it is physically and mentally exhausting for me to put out the quality of work that I do um, but it benefits me like it's it's really benefited me in my career. I've been able to uh, mobilize quickly and, um, you know, do some things that I feel like are pretty, pretty difficult to do. Mm. Um, so it's had its benefits and its challenges in terms of relationships. I would say that it is more challenging, um, more challenging than beneficial. Again, like you know, I'm still trying to figure out what things trigger me and what things help me. So expecting another human to come into that space with me and also learn and understand those things, knowing that they constantly change is hard. Um, and it is a heavy burden to, you know, ask people to deal with what I deal with at times. Um, you know, it could be anything small from like, again, like I'm freaking out because I haven't heard from my partner and their sleep. And not that I do anything wild, like I'm not about to pull up or nothing, but I just like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, are they okay? Kind of thing. Yeah, I can't see you as that type because if you were, we wouldn't be cool. Well, I am not, I'm not pulling up on my body. <laughs> if you pull up on me, it's going to be a problem. Please don't pull up on me. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I, when I have, you know, going back to irritability or um, I have insomnia, right? So I'm not sleeping, like those things impact a relationship in ways that you can't imagine and so it it takes a lot um it takes a lot to navigate in spaces when you know that you are bringing some other things with you yeah man um you know of course all I can do is just nod my head and be like okay I can't be like yeah I know what you mean I mean I know what I mean from my own realm of course um you know but of course this this ain't this show ain't this episode particularly ain't, ain't really about me. Um, I'll say this um, as far as you know, mental health and black women. I know Malcolm X even said it that the most disrespected and least protected person on earth, and probably will be like this for a while, are black women. Forever and always. I mean, women just in general just kind of have it harder. And of course, like you know, I'm not about to be on my Steve Harvey shit and bash men and that I don't I don't do that. That's not what this is about. But just because I do believe um I don't believe in that. I, I still can support, you know, black women and women as a whole, but especially black women. I mean my mom is black, you know what I'm saying? And so again, that's why I, I wanted Amber on. Um <laughs> it's crazy. Like we've seen each other grow over the years and you know things of things that's that have made us cringe over the years and things that like we used to like be bothered by and things that we used to be irritated by especially like when it comes to romance um i remember uh amber told me at one point she said that i will never deal with somebody who don't have a college degree (laughs) i said that that's so wild (laughs) 
You sure did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Full transparency, man. And then now we just care like damn aren't just just be a good person, man. <laughs> don't, don't be don't don't blow me. Like, yeah. <laughs> just the bar is in hell. Don't blow yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Me and my boy Trevor, who's gonna be on a future episode, we always say, yo, we got one rule. Just don't be a jackass. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you would think it's not a hard one to follow, but for some it's not. Um hard for a lot of people. Yeah, man. Yeah. So as far as like navigating through society as a black woman with, you know, these mental illnesses, I guess, like, what would you say to other black women who are possibly dealing with the same thing? I would definitely say the first thing is that it's okay to not be okay. Like if you are, you know, your body best, you know, you, um, so like pay attention to the things that are off because nine times out of 10, you're right. Something, something is off with you. If you feel like something is off with you. Um, and I would also say to use your village, um, actually let me backtrack after, you know, recognizing that something is not okay. It's okay to seek help. Um, and I know that that, that step in and of itself is difficult for a lot of people, right? Cause people struggle to ask for help with like, if I'm struggling to open a door and somebody sees me and they like, you need help. I'm, I'm usually like, no, I'm good. So asking for help with something so personal, um, is not easy either, but I implore you to use your resources, um, and understand that we are a generation of people who are trying to break a lot of stigmas and stereotypes around mental health. And so there are so many resources out here that you can access to get support. And then I would say to utilize your village. Um, you know, you have, if you have good people around you, you know it. Um, your people are, if your people are, what Spencer always says, not your fan, your fan club. The fan um, club. <laughs> if if they're gonna pull you up and say, hey, Spencer, I know such and such has been off. You've been kind of you've been kind of edgy lately, or you just been you haven't seemed like yourself lately. The last few times I called you, you've been kind of weird. Like utilize your village in that way. I don't just mean, you know, tapping them for resources, tapping them for support, but also ask them if there are things that you they're noticing about you too, um, that are off. Um and, and, you know, a good friend is going to tell you and be delicate about that. Um, but use them for the things that you need. You know, the people who love you are going to love you. Um, be transparent with them. Be open with them as much as you feel safe and comfortable to do so. Um, and, and really give yourself, grant yourself the grace of understanding that you are not perfect. You will never be perfect. There are things that you're going to mess up. You are going to hurt people's feelings. Um, but give yourself the grace to learn how to manage that and what to do with that, because it is such a big thing to have to accept. Right. And acceptance is not linear. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when people are dealing with grief. Right. It's not you don't just wake up one day and go, well, I'm good. Like you might wake up one day and say, you know what? I feel good today. And two weeks later, you're like, why am I dealing with this? Like, why, why, why not somebody else? Yeah. So give yourself the grace to also go through the emotions that are associated with, you know, living with a mental health challenge. Yeah, man, the fan club, uh, which makes me think about part of the first step. The first step in fixing an issue is admitting that you have one. Hmm. And, you know, uh, which is very hard to do. Um, me, Amber, and I'm sure plenty of others that are probably listening that aren't listening have, have, have been there. Um, your fan club is very dangerous. Um, and what I mean by fan club and when Amber referenced that is you take someone like Beyonce, you take someone like Kanye, you take someone like Trump. <laughs> they have a fan base. <laughs> you said what? You about to upset a series of people. That's fine. <laughs> I wouldn't be living up to the title of the show if I didn't. Uh, but it's, this is all out of good faith. You know, I'm not saying nothing stupid or offensive, but like those people I just named, you know, the Kanye's, the Trump's, the Beyonce's, the Oprah's, the whatever, they have a they have a fan club of people that no matter what they do, no matter what this person does, their fan club is always going back them. That's fine. Just these are celebrities, but 
back down on planet earth we're, we're regular people so if you have an issue and someone loves you enough to say something about it you know what i mean that is somebody who you want to keep in your corner that's why I'm, i named this episode roots because me and amber have been friends for so long and uh, one of my favorite monologues is when tyler perry was talking about how friendship works like a tree and, you know, we all got leaves, but if the wind blows too hard, they're going to be gone. <laughs> you know, life gets too tough. They're going to be gone. Or and we all got branches. They hang on a little bit more, but the wind blows, the weather gets bad, storms get rough. They're going to be gone, but the roots okay. ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, good guy. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the roots ain't going nowhere, you know, but the roots are going to be the ones that are going to call you on your shit. And. Uh, one thing we have not talked about yet that is very important in recognizing all of this is accountability as well. Do not be blaming shit because what happened to you as a kid. I mean, it's one of them things like Will Smith said, I'm sorry what happened to you. It's not your fault, but we're grown and it is your responsibility to get it fixed. As much as you don't want to, as much as it's not fair, it is your responsibility to heal what you didn't hurt to fix what you didn't break. Right. And it, the most dangerous thing with that is humans were built for a relationship. I don't give a damn who you worship, what, who you pray to, what, whatever. We're humans at the end of the day, you know, and we all love to be loved and we need to be needed. So if you are still dealing with some traumatic event and or events and you're pushing away everybody that is God has sent the universe, whatever you want to say that is sent to help you, but you're pushing them away because you refuse to deal with your shit. You're going to be really up the Creek without a paddle. Cause if you think, if you think you can handle this on your own, you're, you're, you're sadly mistaken. This is not something you can do. So if you always have friends that, you know, actually, I wouldn't even call them friends, acquaintances that always hype up everything you do, that never call you on your shit. It is going to be very shocking when someone who does not care. You know, it's crazy. I have a theory <laughs> <laughs> oh, about something. And I, I, Amber knows me with my theories. I got a shit ton of them. And it's really not even a theory, but it's more of like just a thought process. I do have a theory. I as a, as a theory as in we're walking among serial killers, but that's another. <laughs> I thought that's the theory you were. <laughs> no, 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 not that. <laughs> that. That's not for this episode. Uh, but I have a, I have a, I had a thought recently where, you know, I was in my parents' house and my mom has um, a, a arts and crafts project that I did when I was like in the second grade on the refrigerator to this day, I'm 31 years old. Right. And, you know, any piece of artwork I ever brought home, um, my mom always went, Oh, this is so great. Anything I ever done. Oh, this is so great. This is so great. I'm like, yeah, mom. Yeah, mom. But then in the last episode, when I talked about how I knew I needed to get my health together because my mom said, Hey, look, you, you, you need, you need to go to the gym. <laughs> you needed to so this is a person who has always praised and supported everything i've done but when i needed help and i needed to do something they spoke up and did something about it i mean they spoke up and said something about it you know and i feel like a lot of people can't really handle that type of concept because it's like you know we hype up our friends and we like yeah girl or, yeah dog and da 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 but when someone comes across that you really don't know like that, and they be like, I don't give a shit what your mother told you. Like, this shit ain't going to work with me. Now you get offended. You know what I mean? Because you think that this person's out to get you. And it's like, nah, dog. Like, they just not in your fan club. You know what I mean? And my father always says the game is cold <laughs> because people out here don't really care about you. And the thing is, the fact of the matter is, you may think somebody is your friend because they cool to hang out with. They cool to get drunk with. They cool to whatever with. But they act, there's a lot of people like that. But it, you you actually kind of suck. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And when shit hits the fan, you see who your squad is. Yes. Yeah, man. You definitely do. You know, and what's the saying? Birds of a feather flock together. Right. So eventually 
you're gonna <laughs> eventually you're gonna fall and find yourself in the same place as these people are when i tell people that in a romantic sense that it's a deal breaker that if this person isn't health conscious and isn't taking care of themselves a lot of them look at me crazy but it, a lot of them don't know what's where i came from and it's not on some superficial shallow shit where it's all oh, they gotta look like nah i can give a damn because if you're equating size and with health you you have a lot of work to do because that's not what this is about but my the reason i'm like that is because i'm scared to death to go back to where i was because of who i'm spending my time with say that one more time <laughs> you know what i mean so it's it's you need to if someone loves you enough to say hey look man what you're doing isn't good for your health what you're doing is tearing our friendship apart our relationship whether it's a romantic relationship a, a friendship family or whatever they're, they're not saying that to be mean they're saying it because they care and if you're not healed from whatever the hell you've been through you know what i mean you're you're, you're gonna stay in that same place constructive criticism you know what i mean <laughs> i have two things to say about that and i'm glad mm-hmm. that because I was in the shower this morning and I was just thinking about how, you know, when I really care about somebody, like I will check you. Right. And I will tell you what it is that you need to hear. Granted, I'm going to think about how I deliver that to you because everybody receives things differently. But I just thought to myself that people who love you really are going to tell you things that are not that you don't want to hear. And that's that in and of itself is an act of love for me to just allow you to do whatever and be whomever and you know, live whatever, however it is that you want to live, knowing it's reckless, it's dangerous, it's harmful. Like, I don't think to me that is not, that's not how I perceive love. That's not how I perceive friendship. Um, So for somebody to really, like you said, just to not be in your fan club and to call you out on your shit, it's it's love. That's somebody who truly cares about you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is something that people need to start thinking about when they are hearing things they don't want to hear. Um, is why why is this person feeling like they need to share that with me? Where is that coming from? And I I always err on the side of love. Um, and then the second piece of that is that kind of kind of in relation to that is that I don't think healing happens in solitude. Um, and going back to what you said about us just being relationship oriented and like having this need for community, like when you are healing some part of yourself or some some traumatic um experience that it is that you are working to heal and repair you don't have to do that by yourself and I genuinely I don't think that we were put here to have to do that by ourselves um and part of that again is tapping into your village um allowing people to be present for you and support you so that you can get to a better place so that you can be a better person so that you can be able to sit here and look back like Spencer and I and say, dang, remember that time I blocked you because you told me I had no ways. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, all of those things, none of that would have been possible without the people I had around me. You know, when I tell people my parents are celebrating their 40th this year. Ooh, um, yeah, man, uh, 40 years uh, they're celebrating. My ba- I thought last year was their 40th. It's actually this year. And I tell people that and you know they're like oh my gosh i want that so bad and you know this is something that i really want yo you can't even digest the fact when someone calls you on your shit what you think you ain't ain't nowhere near ready for none of that and that's women that's men that's whoever you interested gay straight whatever the fuck it don't matter Mm -hmm. healing is healing you know what i mean and it's like you cannot you got to This is this is all about working on yourself. This is working on yourself. Like, you know what I mean? When you have people that are always just hyping your shit, man, like, you know, and it, and it, it, when you're around coworkers and when you're when it's when it's a, a romantic situation involved that you can you can kind of just tell. Because it's like, you know, you ever had like, you know, one of your friends or your girl or your boyfriend or whatever come home. And go, man, Amber, my coworker did X, Y, and Z. And the whole time you thinking, oh, actually, you were kind of in the wrong. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Who's tripping? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, eh, nah. And then it's like, if this, if you can't if you can't handle that type of stuff, like, you know what I mean? That's just a, that's just a clear sign that it's like, all right, you need to work on the your your ability to accept accountability. 
You know what I mean? And you know what? I I have the older I get, I have learned that your intimate relationships are um are mirrors. If nobody else has ever shown you where you have a flaw, where you have something you need to grow in, I promise you an intimate relationship will show you sooner than later. Yeah. You will find out and you'll be like, oh, damn, like I do that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yes. To, to, to be to have fruitful and long lasting relationships you have to be willing to check your own shit too and when like you know going back to what we're talking about somebody checks your shit you got to be able to receive that and do something with it and you have to be able to check your own shit too yeah man you just hit a button man i remember this is in my uh previous relationship i mean i'll never forget it you know, sometimes in life we have these pivotal moments where you can remember what you were doing, where you were at, what you was eating, whatever. Yeah. And I remember we were in the on the in the car on the way to the movies, and we were trying to. She was trying to work. She was trying to work on, you know, her. I'm not going to put it out there, but she was trying to work on different aspects of herself. And you know, we're in the car, and I remember I had said something, and it and it and it flipped her off. And she was like, you always bringing up old stuff and da, 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 da. how am I supposed to da, da, da. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. But you still. But that one time you said and she was like, how am I supposed to move further? And you keep bringing up shit that I used to do. Mm, not you was a plunger. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and there are very few times in life where I'm speechless. And I was like, damn. You know what I mean? Now, then again, you're talking to somebody who has absolutely no problem accepting when he's done wrong and can admit it um that's taken some time to get to that point too but you're right though like that person that pointed out something she's like you always do that you always point out something you always say i need to stop doing this and when i try to stop doing it you say well last time like a couple years whatever time you point out in the past and i did it how am i supposed to move farther if you keep pointing out shit from the past you always do that i had no idea i was doing that had absolutely no idea and i was like damn like you know so amber's right like if there's something that you need to um that you don't know that you're that you're not aware of that you're doing being in an int being in in an intimate setting you know what i mean because they'll tell you faster than your mama will your father will <laughs> your teachers like you know what i mean they don't have to do, that shit. <laughs> do not play around with someone who knows they don't need you like amber's therapist said what did he say uh uh the healthiest relationships are the one where you want to be with someone, not you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my last relationship, that's where it was flipped because, you know, I she would do these things where it was like, oh, well, I'm leaving it. This and the third. And, da, 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 da. and at the point, you know, I was in a really depressive state at that time. You know what I mean? So I'd be like, no, no, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, I'm sorry. Try that shit now. Try. Bye like using that as a way to threaten somebody because if you like amber i remember uh she 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 lit a light bulb a little while ago we were having a conversation about you know each other's uh, romantic lives or whatever and she was telling me about a situation with someone and then i just remember her saying like yeah i don't want to deal with this shit because i know i don't have to deal with this shit and like she created a monster when she said that (laughs) because like now you know there are things in life we have to do you know what I mean? Well, you got to pay your bills. I got to feed my dog. You know what I mean? You know, I got to go to work. But like somebody's bringing some BS into your life. You know, Amber knows my story. Hell, y'all know my story. If y'all listen to the first episode, like this is the first time in my life I know what peace and happiness is. So the second somebody threatens that and knowing, not understanding the work I did to get to this point in life where I now I can finally say I don't have any drama, any stress, any crazy stuff. I mean, life ain't all peachy. You know, I still don't have my Ferrari or whatever one day. You know what I mean? Hopefully I get famous, you know, with the radio or whatever. But like <laughs> life is like I can finally say life is good. You know what I mean? Someone asked me how I was doing recently the other day. And I said, oh, no complaints. And the first time in my life I can say that and mean it. So if you come over here and bring the BS, when we have taken the work, we have done the work to get ourselves to this point. And you have it like, you know, I, I bid you farewell, my dear. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. Like 
it's not a destination it's a journey so we still working but man it's yeah it's something that i'm just not gonna like i just can't deal with i can't do it yeah 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 sometimes it's things man i don't want to deal with that then there's other things i can't do that you know um and you're right you know work you know life is an ever-growing process so of course you know um you you have to take people and uh with their flaws and all but it just depends what those flaws are Spencer always says you have to know who to be patient with and who to let go or some did I get that right I think some variation yeah you got to know who to be patient with you got to know who to cut well cut off let go whatever tomato tomato and you know what he talking about me you know spitting spitting gems but but that's the one right there like you know, people use all these different things to justify why they should put up with something. And it's like, no, God ain't tell you to do that. Yes. Yes. Um, God did not tell you to be miserable on the job. God did not tell you to be getting cursed out by your boss. God did not tell you to be dealing with a toxic family member. Uh, that man ain't say that. No. <laughs> no. No, your your corrupt ass pastor probably said that, <laughs> but God didn't say that, you know. Um, so yes, you have to know what who to be patient with and who to cut off. A clear sign of that is when you, in my opinion, when you express something to someone that they're like, you know, we were talking about earlier, you express to someone something that they're doing that is hurting you and again this is not conducive to romance this is this is anybody work family church whatever they're gonna one of two things are gonna happen they're gonna try and be conscious of whatever it is that you express to them and and you can actively see them work on it or they just not (laughs) they're gonna give you the middle finger and they're yes (laughs) yeah it's very easy to tell um very easy to tell father always says uh if someone is putting up an act eventually they're gonna forget their lines come go off and it's just a very fancy way of saying actions speak louder than words that's all you know and if you're so if you're wondering on who to cut off and who to be patient with it's like there are people in your life that will try that do want you there I can admit that me and my mom used to have like a really rocky relationship when I was in my early twenties and actually hell <laughs> pretty much my entire life up until now, you know, and I can take a, I can take accountability where a lot of that was me. We have called out each other on certain things. You know what I mean? And I am at the point in my life where I'm still blessed to be able to have my parents in my life and, you know, appreciate and not take for granted who they are on her end. She has definitely, you know, shown um, grace and things that I've talked to her about that she doesn't, you know, do anymore. And these are two people that love each other and don't want, you know, we don't want to nothing to happen to each other. And, and, and we, we, we just want the best for each other. We want to embrace each other. You know what I mean? But then I've had situations with it as in a social aspect where I'm like, Hey man, you know what you're doing is not really cool. And they literally just, you know, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel you. I feel you. I, I'm, I'm going to stop. And it, and it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't stop because it's, it's not going to be overnight regardless, but it's the, the disregard for it, as I should say. You know, so, yes, you definitely got to know. But more importantly, folks, this is about working on yourself first, you know, and if you if there there's when it comes to healing and growth, I don't care who it is, what it is, even if the person people have positive intentions for you. Sometimes it's not necessarily you got to cut them off, but it's kind of you got to distance yourself from them so you can, you know, be a better person. That's some other advice that my father gave me. You know, hey, look, you know, this person is not necessarily they got to go, but you're trying to do this with your life. And right now they're going to be a distraction, whether they're good to you or not. So when you get to a point in life where you're good, then all right, cool, you can come around. And if the person loves you, they'll understand. But if they like, oh, this, that and the third. No, well, hell, they just did you a favor. You'd be surprised how many people will do you favors just by opening their damn mouth. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? You just got to be willing to listen. You know, if we're going to talk about dating real quick, um, 
<laughs> countless things people have said where I'm like, oh, okay, all right. I had a girl one time. She goes, oh, yeah, my ex-boyfriend is my best friend. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> so she said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Well, it, you, it, Amber, you ever watch a really good movie and you just can't wait to see how it ends? Mm-hmm. This is how this conversation was going. Oh, I was I got to see this through. So she was like, <laughs> she was like, I said, oh, yeah. And it's not my business to tell somebody they're going to be single for the rest of their life because of the way they move. Like, there's 7 billion people out here. Somebody out here going to be cool with that shit. It just ain't going to be Spencer Perry Bryant. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I said, okay. So I was like, well, what do you mean? And she goes, well, yeah, me and him hang out all the time. And this, that, and the third, blah, 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 blah. That's my ex. And any dude that I get with has to understand that we going to be cool forever. I said, oh. Hey, can I call you back? <laughs> hey, let me call you back. Hey, I said, oh, hey, can I call you back? <laughs> uh, you know, shit like that. People say things and they they will they will be doing you a favor. And you may think, damn, well, what's wrong with me? Or this, that, and the third. Nothing. Just sometimes people ain't shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People ain't shit people ain't shit dog you know um it's kind of like going back to what we were saying earlier like a lot of times you may think this person's your friend but they actually suck if you look at how they treat other people you look at how they how they how they hell how they treat the waitress at the restaurant you look at they'll speak all this positive christians do it all the damn time and i'm one but you'll see people you know in church oh jesus god lord have mercy but then cursing people out in the parking lot you know what I mean? I've seen girl, I've seen women be, you know, facilitators at women empowerment groups, but are the nastiest people you would ever meet. You know what I mean? I've seen dudes, you know, talk all this shit, tell women what they want to hear. Yeah, you know, men this, men that, da 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 da. But are the biggest slut buckets in the world. You can't take things for face value, dog. You know what I mean? You have to be able to be willing. That's one of the best things that I've ever learned being a young adult is listening to what people are saying, you know, because they're going to slip up eventually. And listen to what they don't say. It's just as loud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Martin Luther King said, and I think I said this in the last episode, but I'll say it again. He has said, it's not the attack of your enemies that bother you. It's the silence of your friends that hurts. Mm. I, like I said, I've been blessed to have friends that, like, you know, never would really sign. But I, 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 in a sense, I can understand that. But, you know, we're, gonna, we're about to uh, leave out on this. But I remember when we were having this conversation and I asked Amber to uh, be on here, she has said something that's profound and hopefully she'll repeat it again and she'll elaborate on it. She has said that Black women... It is not your job to save the world. It is not your job to save the world. You can take your cape off, hang it up, shake it out, put it wherever you need to put it, let it rest. Um, I think Black women often forget that we are worthy of rest. We deserve rest. Rest is necessary. You don't have to earn it. It's a thing that you are supposed to do. And given all that we bear on our shoulders, um, quite honestly, I think we need naps on naps on naps. Um, (laughs) And, you know, uh, a dear friend of mine, Aisha, always reminds me that Black women also should experience luxury and joy. And we can't experience those things if we are constantly saving the world from all that it is. Um, And I know we often look at the world and we're like, it's some shit, it's chaos. And if nobody else is going to fix it, we do it. And we always do. But sometimes you just got to let shit be what it's going to be and take your rest and recharge because you really cannot pour um, all that we have, all the glory and honor that we are into the world. If if you are constantly tired and you are run down um, and you've not given yourself the love that you that we so naturally pour into this world so nurture yourself as much as you nurture the world hang your cape up pick it up when you need it again it's okay to rest it's okay to experience love that does not hurt um and just really learn to embrace 
some of the greater things in life um, and know that all things need to happen in balance. Yeah, man. Amber is absolutely right. Um, and this episode was uh, definitely for based towards black women. Um, we're I'm going to have my boy Brandon on um, for the next episode. A dude that has an amazing story. Um, you know, this man, I, he is a wonderful husband. He's a he's a wonderful father. Um, you know, this is a man who is just somebody, I, he's a little older than me. So I, you know, I'd say I look up to him as a big brother and I've known him for some years and we're going to do the next episode is going to be based more for, for men. And of course, especially black men, but I wanted Amber to talk, uh, on this episode, you know, and hopefully this episode and what she has said, um, talked about, um, her, overcoming adversity and perseverance as a black woman dealing with not only being black in society, uh, being a black woman, let alone one that has uh, a mental illness diagnosis. Definitely, Amber, I appreciate you for being on. Um, if we can inspire one person uh, to get out of that rut they're in. I, when I posted the first episode, I had somebody reach out to me from high school that I haven't spoken to in eons. And he had talked about how he was thinking about taking himself out of here. And he heard the first episode about my story. And, you know, he said that was one of the things that talked him off the bridge. That's what this is about. You know, we'll joke around. We'll talk shit here and there. But at the end of the day, you know, this is about, you know, positivity and inspiring others. So I hope Amber's words definitely touched someone out there. Um, who was dealing with the same thing and who had the same thoughts but didn't know who to talk to. If you got a grandmama that think you need to pray about everything, turn this podcast on because we talk about how you really... Sp- I mean, praying about it is fine. <laughs> pray <But>, and. <laughs> yeah, pray. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't pray a broken leg away either. All right, y'all. Until next time, the next episode will be posted on March 7th and that's gonna... Uh, I'm gonna have my boy Brandon on. Now we're going to talk about things that black men deal with. And one of the things I'm going to tell you we're going to touch on now is this toxic thing, this toxic mentality of black men aren't supposed to cry. That is complete bullshit. Please cry for the sake of all of us. Please. Yes, because if not, it comes out in a very violent way. So, yes, folks, we thank you for tuning in uh, to this episode of the Morally and Intellectually Ingenuous, Sometimes Disingenuous podcast. I... I'm your host, Spencer Bryant. That's a wrap. <laughs>